You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. And now time for another episode from our apologetic series. And welcome back uh, to another session from the apologetics-focused uh, series that we've been taking. So uh, let me ask you to start this question off with asking you a question. Have you ever played the game telephone, you know, like in junior high or high school where you whisper uh, a word into your friend's ear and then you go around? I mean, growing up in youth group, like camps, you know, before we had phones and things like that to entertain us, like we had to play these games, you know, like... Uh, where you unless you want like where you pass the orange like you hold the orange in, in between your chin and your and your chest and you, and then you got to pass it to the person next to you who grab it uh with their chin and chest like super awkward games that like totally probably wouldn't fly <laughs> these days they'd be like oh my gosh that's so whatever but anyway uh the game telephone it's not all that hard you know you you've got it you've got the whole setup where you just whisper into someone's ear you know uh rubber baby buggy bumpers you know and like like wait what would you say you're like i'm not repeating it and they got to whisper in the person next year what they heard and by the time you get all the way down the line you get to the last person and there's always some kid in the middle like you know i'm probably guilty of having been that kid one time who's like i don't know what i heard so i'm just gonna say something like really inappropriate and make this person look dumb right or 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 i'm just gonna change it mid mid sentence like (laughs) people do that like I did that. Well, I do that. And so <laughs> with that, it's, they get to the end. It's like I said, you know, uh, rubber baby buggy bumpers. And now the person at the last of the line is saying uh, Pink Floyd Lagoon. Like it, it, that is not exo- at all uh, the words, any of the words I used. And so uh, you're like, you guys are all stupid. Who heard rubber baby bu- buggy bumpers? And if you have everyone raise their hand, you can kind of determine where the breakdown took place. And people are like, oh, I get it. And some people are like, I, that was not what was said to me. Like this dude actually asked me for his phone number, like, and I just ignored him and said, made up a new word. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> you know, weird games, but that brings me to today's like kind of thought and question is is are our current translations of the bible reliable like how can we trust that the translations we have today are good accurate like line up with what the original authors uh scribes and scholars had for us to read like has it changed over time uh are the translations wrong did they are we are, are can we trust them period enough said but like what about this you know when you when you learn to drive a car let, let me ask you this when you learn to drive a car doesn't make that doesn't make you a specialist in knowing how to fix it knowing what's wrong with it or when it makes a weird sound that eventually goes away, you know, what's the common maintenance for that make and model of the car that you're driving? Like, like literacy in cars, driving a car does not make you a mechanic, though it could turn you into one, depending on how desperate you are and poor you are uh, for keeping your car running, right? But likewise, a wise man once said, the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. So uh, that would be Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn, just so you know. Uh, speaking of Jar Jar Binks. But the ability to speak does not make one intelligent, just like the ability to drive a car does not make one a mechanic. Just being literate does not make you 
a master communicator. Just ask your parents, okay? <laughs> you know, I don't care what age you are. You, if, if you're old and married, ask your wife. Just because you can use words don't mean you use them good. Der, der, good, der. Okay, so, but do you know that there's, uh, with 450 English translations of the Bible, yeah, I did not stutter. 450 English translations. That's not 450 world language. That is 450 English for us Americans, okay? And Europeans and, and those who have English not as a second language, okay? Not ESL. This is 450 English translations of the Bible. Why the heck are there so many? And are they reli all reliable? Uh, so we're going to kind of go through here. How do we define reliable? Uh, how, what What is reliable? You know, like if you put the, if you always put, you know, flip the switch, uh, turn the AC on to full, turn off the radio on the car and leave the back passenger door open, this car will start up every time. But if you don't do those three things, it ain't going to start up. Like, you know, so we really need to determine what is reliable. And really, this question is, can it be trusted? Well, trusted in what context? To walk your dog and feed your fish? Like, no, it's not reliable. It can't, you can't trust the Bible to walk your dog for you. It can't be trusted to feed your fish while you're away on vacation. Like, the angels don't come down and, and pick up your fish flakes and, and feed them to your fish. Like, you know, that's just not how it works, okay? <laughs> but that's not what the purpose is. So we need to understand what is it trusted for, and it's trusted for its intended purpose. What then is the purpose of the Bible? That's what this needs to get down to. Are current translations of the Bible reliable? Well, what is the intended purpose of the Bible? To tell the story of God as creator of all things and his relationship with human, its purpose is to reveal God to us. There it is. Telling the story of God being the creator of all things, his relationship with mankind, and revealing God to humanity. That is the purpose of the Bible. All the other stuff that we can glean from it, we can learn from it, and apply to our lives is great. You know, but don't be mistaken, the Bible is not here to be your motivational speaker life coach, okay? There's good stuff in it, but it's not here to just make you feel good, okay? It's here to reveal God to you, and it's also here not just to make you feel good so you can keep living in this earth, in this life. It actually should make you hungry, so hungry to know more of God that you want to be about the mission of God to do all you can to help if there's by any means, depending on where you fall theologically, to usher in the return of Christ. We know that every ear must be heard, that he will not return until all the nations have heard, right? And, and that's why Peter and Paul and the apostles and the disciples were aggressively, aggressively about sharing the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because that they knew that that was a check mark that had to be fulfilled. All they knew was Jesus would come back soon. That could have been before they died for all they knew. I mean, it could be before I die, and I think it will be, honestly. But we want to live with a sense of urgency, not to where we're like, hmm, uh, the Bible's so good and just makes me feel good, and I can just keep going to my 9-to-5 job, and I can just, you know, I can just keep uh, watching TV shows and just be entertained and just, you know what, life is good because I have Jesus in it. Guess what? Life your life isn't designed to be in this side of eternity uh, completely satisfied in the context of you don't want what's next. Like, 
we there there should be nothing in this earth that we desire more than the return of Jesus. And I'm I'm serious. Like I remember being a kid, being like, man, I want to. I Lord, can you just not return until I at least have a girlfriend? <laughs> can you not return until at least I drive once? You know, like all these silly things. But ultimately, like as we get revelation of God, as we read the Word for its intended purpose, which is to reveal God to us, it should make the desires of this world fade away as passing moments that we should desire Jesus and his return. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and f- and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how, and uh, from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the sacred texts which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Praise God for that. So that's its intended purpose. Um, so it can be trusted uh, uh, as far as that, but is it reliable? Is it reliable for its intended purposes? Yes. Historically, there's 6,000 manuscripts that have been preserved. That's a lot. That means over all of ancient history that there have been over 6,000 manuscripts that have been preserved that affirm and, and communicate and are the Bible, the books of the Bible that we have. Do you know that the closest comparison to any historical text that we have is the Iliad of Homer? And it's this it's the second most preserved historical document, okay? Which only has six hundred copies. That's still a lot. And people believe in this stuff more than they do the Bible. We have there's six hundred for the Iliad of Homer, six thousand for the word of God. I mean, not, do you know that also 99.5% accuracy between all translations were hand transcribed by scholars over a millennia? I mean, these scholars dedicate their lives to making sure that it was perfectly aligned and accurate. Like in and, and that 0.5%, like that's not a number I just pulled up. That's a real number. That 0.5% is, is, is relegated to uh, slight differences uh, when it comes to words that were used that still communicate the same point. I'm not going to go too deep into that um, without scholarly material in front of me, but that's essentially the summary of, of the differences. Okay, Nothing, nothing, nothing is attached to differences when it comes to the centrality of the message of the gospel of God and Jesus Christ, Okay, and how we're saved and how we know God. <clears throat> but archaeology supports every statement in the word of god is it reliable for its intended purposes seems so records written as early as within 12 years of christ's death and resurrection within 12 years we have we have copies of people writing about christ's life that were within 12 years of him dying and then ascending into heaven that's crazy that we still have those documents that's over 2000 plus years ago you guys come on Preservation of translation is also central to this. You see, when we found the Dead Sea Scrolls and the caves of Qumran, oof, man, 
that is that that just it that that's there's been something on that that I've been interested in since I was a kid. Okay, what kind of fourth grader goes to their parents and says, "Mom, Dad, can I have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible with the archaeology maps in the back of it for my for Christmas?" That's all I want. Like I wasn't like some crazy Bible kid. Like I grew up in a Christian family, but like I wanted to know all about all these Dead Sea Scrolls. When I heard about that, I was like, "That's I want to be an archaeologist." When I grew up, like that was my kindergarten like like goal, my vision. But you see, archaeology supports every statement. Uh, the preservation of these Dead Sea Scrolls uh, book of Isaiah was predated the oldest one we had until 1940 by 1,000 years. That means we had that, that we, we discovered in 1940s a copy of the book of Isaiah, not like you know ESV or King James, okay, but a copy of the scroll of the book of Isaiah. The most recent one that we had of the book Isaiah that we had been reading for, you know, decades and hundreds of years was a thousand years newer. Does that make sense? Okay. And it had the exact same textual content, sparing, uh, sparring, uh, sparing some minor spelling different, uh, differences. Telephone game, this was not. Okay. These people dedicated their lives to it like no joke so let's ask this how are translations made what's the purpose of different translations well looking at how our translations are made uh i want to tell you you can always do your best just remember that you can always do your best i don't know if i got any weebs you know listening into the podcast if you i was that kid that grew up i loved watching anime not all of it but like dragon ball z was my thing and i was always i was so insecure as a kid and afraid of what people might think because my favorite thing to do after school and whether it was homeschooled or went to school was to watch dragon ball z okay followed by um that cooking show like uh iron iron chef yeah and it, it which was like all subtitled and it was these Asian guys all cooking in a kitchen who could cook the best meal. And I was like, it was my favorite thing to do. But I didn't want anyone to know that because I was insecure and shy. But it's like, I love the anime stuff. So if you guys got some anime in here, like there's some weird stuff there out there too. But like, uh, you, you'll like this next part. Because in Japanese uh, words today, it's uh, very cultural, okay? It's the American intent versus Japanese culture. Do you know that there's no real word in ja- in japanese no real statement for saying good luck there's there's words for good and there's words for luck but culturally that's not a proper way to say it like it's just not and, and forgive me because i don't speak japanese but uh the proper way to say it would be uh i think if you spelt in the english vernacular g-a-n-b-a-t-t-e which is ganbate ganbate you know do your best that's an informal uh, version of it or ganbate kudasai which is a formal version you know and if you would reply un ganbate which would mean like i will ah yes i'll do my best uh or hi gunbataimas you know it's like a thank you you know like i will do my best i you can always do your best you see there's primary sources and secondary sources the primary sources uh if, if you guys didn't pick up on that like that's really uh, let me just back up before i go there on that thing about cultural japanese words it's really important to see that that's that's a today example 
of our English words cannot translate Japanese words that are used today in 2021 uh, that are word for word. So how much more differently in older ancient Israel and ancient Egyptian and, and, and all these other cultures from way back, Hebrew and Greek and Latin, like how can we just take word for word? Well, if you take word for word, it won't translate perfectly so so sometimes you have thought for thought and and concept for concept and, and that's where you get some of these other translations but you also have primary sources and secondary sources you see the primary source could say coca-cola right the secondary source could say pepsi-cola now both are correct but one is less correct does that make sense they're both a brown sugary soda similar vanilla flavors different brands same goal one focuses on spice citrus vanilla with cinnamon and nutmeg nodes while the other takes a sweeter approach with more sugary vanilla citrus bursts uh kind of essence that loses its burst the more you drink but pepsi wins the sip test coke wins the good to the last drop test so so you see likewise writing a translation of the bible from an english translation of the bible might end up with you receiving a fresh key cola okay <laughs> you know a fresh key cola that that's like some weird like uh it, it's funny if you don't believe me look it up fresh key cola okay it's a thing like like i don't want a fresh key cola if i was expecting to order coca-cola right um but we we need to pr- uh, translate if we want a more accurate uh to the original purpose uh, the primary source text as opposed to taking more of a um, more of an approach that would be like hey this is a this is for the sake of uh, um, what's the word chicken chicken soup for the teenage soul whatever that stuff is you know like uh, the, the the ones where you it, we're expanding upon it a little bit more so doing that kind of method that would be more of a secondary uh, source translating it into a commentary or, or otherwise but John Wycliffe in 1382 brought in, honestly, the first English translation, which is pretty fantastic. Um, But Martin Luther, not Dr. King, uh, in 1522 uh, brought the first translation from the Greek and Hebrew into German. And and William Tyndale to English as well in 1525 and 1535. So some of these guys, Wycliffe, Luther, Tyndale, are, are... phenomenal and should be praised and and, and thanked for all the work they did in bringing the word of god to us uh that we might be able to the average person might be able to interpret it now our forefathers who were interpreting the word of god and our our patriarchs like they didn't they didn't have they didn't know how to interpret hebrew so like as interpretation comes along down the road to where we're at now we have the ability to read hebrew and we can interpret it so there's a little more depth that we actually get but our forefathers didn't have those tools it doesn't change the truth of the gospel. It doesn't mean that there's now a new gospel. It just means that we can actually read more of it. But when you look at the King James version of the Bible, 54 scholars, okay, were appointed by King James I, avoiding strict literalism in favor for an extensive use of synonym. It was a masterpiece of Jacobian English in, and the principal Bible used by English-speaking Protestants for over 270 years years i mean 54 scholars i mean like to get them to all agree on what they want from chipotle let alone to all agree upon a passage of scripture i mean that is a feat okay but by 1871 translations had arrived 
now we have 450 that is ridiculous that is that's absurd okay really tough uh there, there are some uh you know hoops or or guidelines or job descriptions that ideally translators should uh live up to and and really it's like they, they have to put aside biases they have to have this uh, x amount of experience there's a whole document i i could pull up i'll maybe i'll leave in the show notes a link to it but of what that is but still basically you you don't just get to be a translator because you decide i'm a translator like and i watched on youtube how to translate ancient dead english like the ancient dead languages well congratulations like i'm not going to read your bible okay but what is the purpose of all these translations that's a lot of stinking translations. You know, the reason for translation is so the modern, uh, that is meaning today's readers can understand it easily without the necessity of knowing thousands of years worth of sayings, cultural significances, implications, etc. Let's take a quick peek. I want you guys to understand what I'm talking about. So what's a cultural implication of two different um, types of words here. We're going to look at 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 24 and verse 3. And we're going to look at it in the King James Version and then compare it to the uh, New International Version. Whatever you feel on the translations that I'm reading, that's irrelevant for the point that I'm trying to bring to you. So King James Version here um, of Samuel 23 verse 4 says then david inquired of the lord yet again and the lord answered him oh man shoot first samuel 24 why did i say 23 man 24 verse 3 that's that's why i said 23 because it's a really great uh story of a divine uh, of god's omniscience uh which we'll talk about another time anyway verse 3 of chapter 24 goes and says in the king james and he came to the sheep goats by the way where was a cave and Saul went in to cover his feet and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave sounds like Saul is tired and cold and wants to cover up his feet because you know like I don't know maybe he was wearing sandals and they were kind of weird okay let's ha- let's take another look at that exact same scripture in the new international version which is more for us today again verse 3 he came to the sheep's pen along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. <sniffs> David and his men were far back in the cave. So we see this is an, these are idiomatic sayings of the time and the culture that, the, that King James English was utilizing, uh, covering one's feet. Uh, and also in the older, you know, Second Temple, Feet were also often translated as a private part, okay? Um, so take that, and next time you're reading about uh, the seraphim, you know, in, in Isaiah 6, and with uh, two, with, with six wings, with two they flew, two they covered their face, and two they covered their feet. Was it their feet? Was it their no-nos? I don't know. Let's see. But these are idiomatic sayings. You know, it'd be like saying like this, like minimum wage, 15-ish dollars if you're out here in the Pacific Northwest, 15, 18 dollars an hour versus $1.40 an hour in 1967, which where they were thankful that when they say that they got that. But now today, what if I said 
uh, I'm going to give you, um, you know, minimum wage, right? Okay, that 15 bucks an hour. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kid. I, that sounds good. I'll be able to buy McDonald's and, and do all the things I want to do. But like, then I say, no, I'm, I'm, I meant minimum wage 50 years ago. Like, so you're making a dollar 40 an hour. Like, so you actually got to work 15 hours today to make, you know, 20 bucks. Like, that sounds awful. You see, that would be a word. We're looking at word for word here is like hours for dollars, hourly pay, sometimes less, sometimes more, sometimes wondering why the government took half your pay because you hit a new tax bracket this pay period. Stupid. You know, <laughs> then there's thought for thought. Okay, which is more of like the salaried position when you're looking in this context of minimum wage and whatnot. And there's a little less math. Sometimes you do more work, but the paycheck adds up and is consistent and dependable. Uh, you know, that works. That's kind of the translation you might be looking at in the Bible. Then there's the devotional, okay? Non-scripture. Important to know that. <laughs> the self-employed with ADHD, high-risk, dangerous, and the potential of great breakthrough and success. However, not with an, without another squirrel brain moment to lose it all. Yikes. It should not be an excuse for lazy Christianity. Understanding the biblical worldview will transform your view on the Bible and what it says. Remember, the Bible was written to you, but it was not written, uh, the Bible was not written to you. It was written for you. I'll say that one more time. The Bible was not written to you. It was written for you. So hell is paved with good intentions. According to Samuel Johnson, good quote. I'm sure a bunch of people have said it. But danger close in in military words in battle is the term uh, that is included in the method of engagement segment of a call for fire, which indicates that friendly forces are within proximity of the target. So I want you to know some of this uh, danger close situations we got in some biblical translations, such as the horrific... Passion translation. Run away. 50% longer. Yes, this, this translation of the Bible is 50% longer than the original text. That should be an indicator of an issue. Translated by one man from secondary texts. No interest in textual accuracy, according to the author. No credible scholar's input. Author Brian Simmons claims that Jesus visited him personally, took him to the library of heaven, and asked him to write this translation, receiving regular downloads of secret of the secrets of Hebrew language to better communicate what God meant to do and what he meant to say, and believes that Jesus promises to bring him back to heaven and give him another chapter of the book of John that was lost, which is chapter 22. Hmm. Let me give you an example of some parallels here of why we need to be careful with some of these translations, especially this crappy, horrible, throw in the garbage passion translation. Psalms 18, verse 1, NIV, okay? New International Version. I love you, Lord, my strength. Amen. English Standard Version. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Nice. King James Version. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Praise God. The Passion Translation. Lord, I passionately love you. I want to embrace you. For now, you've become my power. Good intention? Maybe. <sighs> Sounds awful to me. The message translation acknowledges 
it's, it's another it's another one of these like you know um one, one of these devotional non-scripture ones but it acknowledges its extreme use of idioms for our current culture that could potentially skew its word-for-word literacy and embraces a dynamic method of translation that is best perceived primarily to its first world western culture readers you see the risk of these translations is in an attempt to simplify the gospel for the sake of its readers they run the risk of part of partially skewing its fundamental truths if not blowing them up completely danger close right danger will robinson family right this is that, that that's that's the obstacle uh, that we have with some of these Par- these 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 message translations there's good stuff in it but we if we don't stay to the primary source uh and, and we only use these as like a, a support maybe to maybe bring a little bit of insight it's not going to work and so really here's the scale that you can use when you're looking at our translations of the bible today is we've got word for word thought for thought uh paraphrase and devotional if you want more of a word for word, something that's really close, I encourage you get yourself an interlinear. Those things are so cool. Like they're hard to read in English, but it's literally because they took every one of the words and just put the exact word in. So sometimes you'll get like words in wrong orders for English grammar because you can't just take a foreign language of any kind and just translate it immediately over and have perfect grammar in that in that language. Um, whatever language you're translating it to but an interlinear is amazing get one of those or a new american standard an amplified or an esv those are pretty good for your your word for word if you're looking for a really good thought for thought i i think niv is pretty good honestly some people might might argue or or contest and well that's fine Uh, leave leave your problems in the comments i guess who knows Uh, (laughs) and then you've got the living bible the message they're good secondary or third place commentary devotional concepts of gospel truths. I wouldn't throw them out totally, but just knowing that don't have that be your primary source. Okay, the Passion and the Book of Mormon are on the same page in my scale. Never read it. If you own one, it's okay to burn it, shred it, or throw it into a lake with a chain wrapped around it. Uh, you know, both claim divine secret special knowledge. It's typical like by by description it is gnosticism that's what it is classic gnosticism hidden wisdom for you today that god meant to have you have and i only made it through to me by special revelation of angel or god the end all the people prior to my revelation well too bad for them maybe they didn't make it to heaven so let me ask you this again are all of our current translations of the Bible reliable? Absolutely not. Hashtag fresh Cola, okay? Stick to God's word as accurate as you can. NIV is the loosest I'd go for a regular reader study Bible. Just being real. New King James, English Standard, New American Standard, they're all reliable, backed, studied, and revised by teams of scholars who have dedicated their life to this one task, which has remained God's word unchanged from the Dead Sea Scrolls finding of Isaiah dating back as early as 340 BC with zero changes sparing some minor spelling differences when compared to the next copy we have written a thousand years later not to mention it's the oldest scroll in existence ever found 
we may have you know clay tablets that might might predate it but this is the oldest scroll ever found y'all like come on there is god has sustained his word what do i mean that the bible is not written for you but to you it means that man you guys god has sustained his word though what was said way back then may not translate perfectly to right now the fundamental truth remains but seek to understand what is the worldview that the people who are receiving this word had that doesn't mean it's outdated and not for you yes it's for you today but it wasn't written to you it was written to second temple ancient jewish cultures like and sustained for thousands of years like not just second temple it was written to all the people i mean moses abraham like all this stuff like come on this is old stuff so how can you better understand the bible and why is that important for you today because if we don't understand what is truth and how to find what the real translations are we're going to end up in a whole mess of problems because reality can be anything i want right you know like thanos right Uh, like that's really what could happen and boom you snap your finger and you've got the passion translation and half the world dies because of it so there you go that's my that's my two bits on it um on whether or not you can trust today's bible translations and my my honest answer is no you cannot trust all all bible translations are not created equal okay understand the purpose of them stay as close to the original source as you can because things will change and the further you get away from the original source the less valuable it's going to be the more potential it's going to have to be picking up particulates and contaminants and all this other junk that you now maybe maybe it adds some value to you but honestly if it's just it might add confusion so that's all i got for today i hope this was helpful uh please leave a you know comment the best thing you could do is leave a good review and and share this with a friend text them text them the link uh text them the podcast and just uh let me know if these are beneficial because i'd like to keep them going i'd like to get through all of them so you have access to just really equip yourself with the truth of the apologetics of the gospel and i'll chat with you later shalom thanks again for listening if you'd like more information about the show kevin's work or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast please reach out to me directly on my instagram at kevin.scott.johnson i look forward to hearing from you god bless